And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. You will rest in peace. Basketballs don't hold grudges. He got a bicycle. Episode of the Wrestle Keep. Uh, this is episode four point five, I think, something like that. Um, certainly, we will be uh, doing more of the full episodes coming soon. But at the moment, um, this is uh, just a mini episode. It's just me here on my own, um, just to kind of keep you up to date with what we're doing and just talk about a few things that are of interest this week. Um, so there are two things I kind of want to cover in this particular podcast. Uh, the first thing is a quick look at John Morrison, uh, the artist also known as uh, John Hennigan, Johnny Mundo, Johnny Impact, formerly Johnny Nitro, you know, uh, obviously over the years he's had various different names, but um, kind of just wanted to have a look at his career a little bit on the basis that he is obviously now coming back to WWE as it was announced this week. Uh, he will be returning. Uh, on a multi-year deal. Um, it'll be quite interesting to see... Excuse me, sorry, I have a cold, by the way. I should explain that before we started, but, you know. Yeah. You can, I'll, I'll try and edit out any uh, particularly horrible things, but, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so he's returned to WWE uh, over the... Well, he will be returning uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, he's now signed that contract with them. Um and for me, I think it's a good bit of news because although he has his detractors and occasionally perhaps has not always shone on the microphone, he, from an athletic point of view, is phenomenal. There was never any issue with that, you know. And he's been away long enough now that there's actually quite a lot you could do with him. There are things you can revisit. Obviously, the first thing that springs to mind immediately is The Miz, who isn't really doing a huge amount at the moment, and perhaps either a feud with or a partnership with uh, his former tag team partner, Morrison, could be potentially something quite interesting for both men. Um, And, you know, there are people that were there when Morrison was last there, so your Ziggler's, your Rey Mysterio's, your Kofi Kingston's, uh, your Randy Orton's, for example... But there's also a whole new crop of guys who have been there since he's left. So, you know, your Seth Rollins, your Roman Reigns, um, your Bray Wyatt, your Daniel Bryans. These are people we won't really have seen John Morrison kind of match up against. And he's gone out there and he has seasoned himself. He is, uh, that sounds a bit weird. (laughs) He's gone and done a lot of different things in the time that he's been away from WWE. Um, I mean, in that first run, there were a few moments where it looked like he was going to break through, if you pardon the pun, uh, given his uh, character being sort of weirdly based on John Morrison. Uh, John Morrison. <laughs> uh, God, it was Jim Morrison. Went completely out of my head his name there. Um, so basically, yeah, the, there is there were moments where you thought, yeah, he was about to become something quite big. Um, you know, 2011... Uh, the start of the year, him and The Miz had a phenomenal match on Raw for the WWE title. Uh, if you look the later in that year, he was poised to be the number one contender uh, for The Miz. Uh, 
after winning a match on Raw, the whole thing led to the R-Truth heel turn and Morrison kind of got, got sort of stiffed out of that really a little bit. And, you know, he put in some great performances and there are certainly more they could have done with him at the time. But he went off to do acting and to do his other projects and, you know, it looked like he wasn't going to come back, but everyone comes back eventually, as we've learned, uh, certainly with CM Punk recently. Um, so that first run was probably not everything it could have been. I know he was ECW champion and Intercontinental champion, and there are certain people, including my WrestleCube colleague, who uh, were big fans of his slow-mo entrance, because it was something different, which is fair enough. Uh, Starship Pain is still a terrible name for a move, and it still looks ridiculous, but he never really got the chance to be an effective heel solo act once he'd kind of meta- metamorphosized, if you will, uh, to the kind of later end of his career in WWE last time. So I'm hoping that they'll let him go further down that road this time. Um, there's certainly a place for him in NXT as well. Uh, you know, you could potentially match him up with, you know, Finn Balor's obviously down there now. That'd be a great match. You've got the likes of, you know, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano when he's fit again. You've got like, you know, your Keith Lees, your Dominic Dijakovic's. You know, there there is a whole Adam Cole. Uh, there's a whole heap of guys down there that you could match him up with who I think actually he could do really well with. Um, he's also improved greatly in the time he's been away, I think, uh, which is, is something to bear in mind. Um, I think he, the acting lessons obviously paid off. Uh, he was fantastic in Lucha Underground, uh, initially as the sort of standard baby face and then morphing into this, uh, you know, cocky heel that, you know, with, uh, also Jack Evans and, um, uh, PJ Black, uh, and Taya Valkyrie, who is obviously his real life partner. Um, and yeah, I mean, he was phenomenal in that role. Um, and like so many things now with Lucha Underground being such a, you know, something that I think people will remember fondly. And yeah, Lucha Underground is certainly something that, um, I very much enjoyed during its limited run. Unfortunately, I think it's, it's, it went, it was almost ahead of its time. I think is the problem. Yeah. You had guys like, uh, Luchasaurus who was, uh, I think he was named Vibora as part of the, uh, the snake tribe that they had. And, you know, they had the whole, uh, Aztec gods thing was a little hokey but it was something different and wrestling really needs a bit more of that um, and you see some of that kind of creeping its way into kind of mainstream WWE with The Fiend and with um, kind of with AEW and and you know it's, it's something that certainly those elements those kind of slightly cinematic ideals are becoming more and more kind of accepted as part of what happens in wrestling now um i think certainly in his time away he also played a blinder in triple a as a sort of pro trump pro america heel which i mean obviously as you can imagine in mexico went down a storm coming out to the ring uh to um born in the usa by bruce springsteen which is a master stroke and just generally being kind of a bit of a dick and like that's who that's who he is as a character i'm sure as a person he's lovely but it certainly is a character that works for him. Um, there's a lot of scope for him to do quite a lot in WWE. I mean, he's only 40. And that is not a big age when it comes to wrestling these days. You know, you, you have guys who were 
you know, well into their 50s competing at a top level in WWE until quite recently. Um, so it's certainly not beyond the realm of possibility he could be, you know, still quite a good hand and potentially a big star for WWE. And we are working in a wrestler's market now. You know, there are lots of big companies all vying for whatever names are out there. People are snapping up whatever talent they can get hold of. And John Morrison is a big enough name, even now, that I imagine he got a pretty good payday out of, and a pretty good deal out of, out of WWE. And good for him. Good for him. Uh, I should also say, he also starred in a film that uh, I would argue is one of my favourite wrestling-related films. Um, a little thing called Russell Mania, or Russell Madness, as it's unfortunately titled in the UK, for reasons that I don't really understand that I assume are to do with some sort of uh, licensing and rights kind of uh, snafu uh which essentially is about a dog who learns to wrestle uh and uh he plays the main heel antagonist and you know what he's actually quite good it's a children's film if you've seen Airbud or any of the subsequent uh Airbud sequels you're kind of on the right lines with that it's a dog who can talk but also wrestles you know that sort of thing family have to save the wrestling theater which isn't really a thing but you know uh, from demolition from the bad guys it's it, not axe and smash I mean actual physical demolition um, but that's you know it's, that's the basic sort of premise but he's very good and he's come on leaps and bounds in that area since he was in WWE last I think that really will make a difference when it comes to this particular run with the company who knows I mean he might be absolutely useless it might be a terrible misstep and maybe he should have gone to AEW but it certainly feels like a positive signing and somebody who I think could be quite interesting, no matter where they slot him. And they, they need fresh blood. There are so many hours of television they've got to fill. They need more interesting characters and less uh, Gary Blue Pants. So, yeah, Morrison coming back. It's pretty exciting. Um, the other thing I wanted to cover, again, this is not going to be a long podcast. I just... I feel like we've had a few months of, well, quite a few months now, of the metamorphosis of Bray Wyatt. And I kind of wanted to go through the stages of that and kind of give you an outline of where I am with that. Because it feels like something that could have been brilliant. And parts of it have been, but parts of it are still very problematic for me. And I'm not sure that it's actually completely working. I mean, for a company point of view, for WWE, of course it is working. They're, he is their top merch seller, and, you know, it's still something that people are very much enjoying. However, for me, I'm not sure that it couldn't be a bit better in terms of the execution. But we'll go through that. So, of course, this all started after WrestleMania, where we started getting these kind of strange vignettes with a... Mercy the Buzzard appearing from a smoking box and everybody kind of shit on it quite a lot initially and you know for good reason because it was super weird and nobody could quite figure out what was going on and that's fine and then as the vignettes progressed obviously we got the Firefly Funhouse and we had months and months of this of just Bray Wyatt essentially being a increasingly creepy odd uh, children's TV presenter essentially um which is funny because in America, that's one thing. Here, considering a lot of the scandals with Jimmy Savile and everything else over the past decade, I'm not so sure that would have gone down quite as well if it were uh, in mainstream U- UK culture. But 
so be it fine you know it's, it's it's kind of beside the point but there is certainly a creepy almost like wayland mercy element to this which is is certainly important when you consider the fact that uh known as mercy the buzzard obviously uh but you know there are elements of the original bray wyatt gimmick that were certainly uh attributed and probably influenced by the uh what could have been a seminal character in uh, WWE uh, in uh, Wayland Mercy uh, which in itself was inspired obviously by the character of Max Cady from um, from Cape Fear uh, and, you know it, it's uh, everything's derivative obviously um, there is certainly an element of that particular character kind of being transposed onto this new character and they were very good at spending months and months and months kind of pushing the idea that Wyatt would then is transforming but doing it very subtly week by week and then you eventually got to see the fiend and as this went on and on we get glimpses more of the fiend and with more of the kind of creepy sort of subliminal messaging and all the rest of it and it was done brilliantly and then then of course we had the debut so at SummerSlam he came out with one of the most bizarre but brilliant entrances we'd seen you know including the severed head of the old bray wire as a lamp uh you know connecting the two gimmicks which is is great and then things yeah things got a bit strange there for a bit i don't know how i feel about the idea of putting him straight into a match with seth rollins uh for the universal title at hell in a cell they booked themselves into a corner and I'm not sure that they were ever going to be able to find a satisfactory way out of it. And yet they still chose probably the worst option, which is doing a non-finish in a Hell in a Cell, which is not great. And people rightly were not happy. Um, even though it presented The Fiend as a sort of supernatural, unbeatable Michael Myers, The Shape jason voorhees-esque character it still didn't really help that the booking was not great on that front it really didn't help that you know he stood tall but he obviously didn't win the match and okay fine whatever they they obviously had plans to go to the rematch in saudi arabia or um crown jewel and uh, it was uh, shocking to see uh, Wyatt obviously take the uh, the belt from Rollins in that particular match and it was great to see but there are certainly some issues that have arisen uh, since the debut at SummerSlam in those matches and that continue on now for me personally the red lighting is a in a huge problem and I don't know really what, what they're hoping to achieve because actually doing it without the red lighting at SummerSlam was fine, no one complained nobody thought he needed something extra and the red lighting is quite distracting i understand that they're going for this sort of horror movie aesthetic and that the idea that it's something you know otherworldly but it doesn't really work it just makes it difficult to see what's happening and that is unfortunate because it's a really strong gimmick but a strong gimmick that i don't know works entirely when you can't really see it's very visual and you're almost obscuring that visual. This is sort of the same problem they had with Kane in 1997, uh, where they would have... I mean, I was only a kid when this happened, but I do remember this vividly when he would come out and he had a couple of matches under red lights and he would attack guys under red lights as he was on a warpath to try and tempt the, the Undertaker to fight him. 
And um, it, it it just was very distracting, and they abandoned that quite quickly because I think they realised that it didn't really work. Similarly, in the early part of this decade, when Sinkara debuted, they tried the same thing with a sort of uh, blue and kind of yellowy orange kind of coloured lights uh, to try and make his matches feel like something different, and it just didn't really work. And in both of those cases, they abandoned this idea within a few weeks. But they seem to be persisting in the case of Bray Wyatt, which I am a little concerned about, I must say, because I think there is every chance it will kill this gimmick stone dead and kill any excitement that the audience have about it. I mean, maybe that's the point, though. Maybe there is an element to which this gimmick can only be a short-lived kind of short-handed uh, sort of, of gimmick. Maybe there is only a shelf life to this of a limited time because it is so out there and it is so unusual. And there becomes a point where, like any good heel gimmick that is kind of cool and exciting, especially things that are otherworldly or a bit supernatural in character, when they get over, they tend to become something that the, the crowd get into and then that automatically turns the character into a baby face and i'm not sure how you do that with the fiend there's certainly a few issues with how you make that happen so yeah it's certainly a far from perfect kind of concept um and i, I don't really know like you know currently he's feuding with daniel bryan which is great because bryan and wyatt have phenomenal chemistry and they've you know have a long history and there's plenty of stuff you can play into there which is great but I don't know, you know, it feels like they're plodding along in this sort of predictable fashion now where The Fiend is not going to lose that belt until WrestleMania and presumably it will be Roman Reigns who takes it off him and I'm fine with that because, you know, there's a story to tell there and that's great and he should be the all-conquering babyface at some point, especially after they fluffed him coming back from literally beating cancer. They managed to, to screw that up. So, yeah, I do think that there is an element of kind of almost like stalling until we get to Wrestlemania now but The Fiend like it is a cool character and it is something unusual and the mask looks good it's a cool entrance and they've certainly you know they've gone the whole hog on that front and the creative is great the stuff with the Firefly Funhouse has been great but there's just something about the disconnect when, when the bell rings that doesn't quite work and I think the red lights are a big part of that and I think that's really unfortunate Um, it's certainly difficult especially you know with him being such a big merch seller, they're obviously going to be pushing him very hard. Um, my worry is a bit of overexposure, if anything. I feel like there is an element to exposing this gimmick and making it feel less special, which maybe they've already done. Maybe the bloom is already off the rose to a certain extent. It, it's just very difficult to kind of see how that, that is all going to work. Um, they've also, you know, and this is very WWE, um, and why not, I suppose, if you're a capitalist enterprise, why not? Um, they've created uh, a series of limited edition uh, Fiend uh, custom belts. And the idea is is that the blue Universal title, which has only recently been unveiled as blue, uh, is the title that Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt has, but the Fiend has his own custom title with his face on it, and it's sort of very designed by Tom Savini, who, who made the mask, and is... Uh, sort of horror movie legend and you know in terms of costume designs and all the rest of it um, 
but these are going for six and a half grand a piece, which is insane. And if people will buy them, then great. You know, it's it's more power to whoever wants to sell and whoever wants to buy those. But good lord, that is a lot of money for a piece of collectible merch. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe WWE have got a license to print money with with Wyatt. I don't know. I don't know. I certainly have concerns that the gimmick has a shelf life, and that that we might get to that shelf life far sooner than anybody thought. And then you have Wyatt have to go back to the drawing board, I think, which is problematic because last time, every time he's tried to reinvent his character, he does a great job, but he's always trying to find new things to do. He's obviously a very switched on kind of guy. But through no fault of his own, through the way that WWE books and because of the sheer amount of TV time they have to fill, I don't know that this is going to last and that they'll be able to capitalise on it. And then even by WrestleMania, by WrestleMania, they may well have run out of steam with The Fiend. And I definitely have big concerns about that. Um, that was really about it as far as um, this week's show goes. Uh, it's only a mini episode, so you know I know you weren't expecting a lot, and it's only a, yeah, it's a clock in it, a reasonably short uh, duration. But I did want to just say, um, obviously, if you have been listening to these shows, um, thank you. Uh, we're really grateful. Um, we're going to try and do more stuff. Uh, on the social media channels and stuff. Uh, I know Daniel is is definitely planning on doing some things on the games front, uh, looking at some sort of retro uh, retro wrestling games um, and possibly some current ones as well. Who knows uh, what's going on in the in that uh, sort of uh, crazy scientific brain of his? Uh, he's yeah, he's got some good ideas and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing as much as you are. I'm sure uh, seeing what he comes up with. Um, I've still been posting as and when I find stuff, uh, some interesting things from WrestleCube HQ, uh, some wrestling memorabilia. There's been a few old old epi- oh, episodes, um, old editions of Power Slam magazine, which I'm sure uh, will be very enjoyable for you to have a look at for the nostalgia of the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, I recently stumbled upon some FWA uh, merchandise, so the Frontier Wrestling Alliance. Uh, uh, group out of the UK who arguably had one of the biggest influences on uh, the British wrestling scene of the last 30 years really, um, for good or for better or for worse, um, depending on how you feel about Alex Shane, uh, but you know it spawned Doug Williams uh, well, not spawned, but certainly he came out of Hammerlock as originally but um, certainly gave him a really big platform, uh, you know, your likes of Jody Fleisch, Johnny Storm, they brought in a lot of American imports um, after WCW and ECW closed down, so the likes of Jerry Lynn, Christopher Daniels, people, AJ Styles, people you might not have seen otherwise, uh, so they were certainly pivotal uh, in the rise of British wrestling uh, in the early 2000s, and yeah, um, their revival show at Crystal Palace, I recently found the programme for that, so I've been posting a few uh, choice images from that uh there's some stuff from british uprising and a few other bits and pieces that have kind of been kicking around my house i am still looking for a few other bits and pieces uh there are plenty uh and as and when i find them i will uh i will post them to our instagram which is at wrestlecube uh we're obviously on twitter as well at wrestlecube uh facebook.com slash wrestlecube uh 
I've said the word wrestle cube so many times. Um, and yeah, um, just thank you very much for continuing to listen to me ramble on and on about wrestling and my love for it. And yeah, just, just I hope you're enjoying these shows. You know, if you've got any feedback or you're anything you like, you don't like. Uh, unless it's just the sound of my voice because yeah, there's not a lot I can do about that uh, please do get in touch um, through the usual social channels and yeah just um, if you could share links to these or if you're also if you're a, a podcaster a promoter a wrestler uh, or you know you've just got something you want to say about wrestling get in touch we are very very open to give, using this as a platform to try and help other people grow along with us because Frankly, it should be a community and it is all about trying to make things as interesting as possible. Um, right, I'm going to sign off there. So, uh, as always, um, don't be a square, be a wrestle keep. Good night. Mm-hmm.